1: LaFondra looking to get close side of
0: foot. LaFondra away from David. 3-1 running! Three points Reading. Hello, welcome to the Elm Park Royals podcast, supported by Blue Collar Street Food. Here to discuss the one all draw against Hull City. And I have been joined by Paul. Paul. Hello doing? there. It is a bit of a depressing morning,
1: this one for me. Um, obviously, we're going to come on to the topics about the match, but really, as we all knew, the six-point deduction is looking very, 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 very close
0: now, with the uh, news broken by James Earnshaw today. And on that really depressing note to the podcast, I introduce Andrew as well. Andrew, how are you this morning?
2: um I'm Very happy that I went three hundred and fifty-mile round trip for that amazing game of football that was enjoyed by everybody in the stadium, and even happier now with what Paul's just alluded to about the news of what's inevitably happening next week. Great day to be a Reading fan.
0: Yeah, it's not a fantastic morning really here at EPR Towers. Uh, Let's discuss the six-point deduction very briefly. Paul, as you say, James kind of broke some news this morning which suggests that it's pretty much imminent, uh, this, this points deduction. It seems like it's only going to be six, not more than that, which maybe is one kind of morsel of positivity that you can take out of it. But with a six point deduction, we're going to be down to 39 points, level on points of Cardiff with, with a worse goal difference and three points ahead of Huddersfield. It's a little bit worrying. Oh, it's a,
1: yeah, uh, it's a massive understatement. And you know that as well, Alex. Um, but um, yeah, hugely worrying. Um, I'm not convinced that we're going to be able to do it this season. Uh, with the manager we've got at the moment, Paul Ince, I feel like it's just we're declining, we're collapsing, the energy is being sapped out of the squad. They're just... I mean, we need the international break. That, that is the one positive I will take out of that. We've now got two weeks off. But I look at it and I think, what are the odds now of us staying up? And I would say the odds are now slightly against us staying up. I, I feel like the whole... Performance yesterday in the second half, that was a must-win game, and we basically didn't attack, and that's no way to be dealing with the situation that we're in now. And it's its really sad being a fan, watching it, and going to the games, seeing the crowds get smaller, seeing the enthusiasm going, seeing the toxicity, which we've been through multiple times with Reading manager, there's nothing new, but it's still depressing. And it's still frustrating because we all care about it. All the people listening to this, 99% of them are Redding fans, and they feel it in different ways. And they're, they're angry, frustrated, and they're also just sad. And that's how I feel, anyway.
0: Yeah, pretty much mirror all of that, I think. It's just, it's tiring, isn't it? It's very, very tiring. And just as you said yesterday on Twitter, it's just life sapping supporting Redding after a while, um, energy sapping. Andrew, we've obviously got some games coming up against teams at the bottom. So we still got to play Wigan and Huddersfield. So I, although I agree with Paul, there is definitely, a, I think it's 50, 50 at this point, if we do have six points taken off us, it's not, it's not a guarantee. Um, there has to be kind of like some level of, you know, not realism, but there has to be some level of, we aren't guaranteed to be down, but I think the squad and, you know, Paul Lentz probably have to take a long, hard look at themselves over the international break and realize that, you know they are actually in, in a relegation battle at this point right
2: absolutely and i think you know it's i'm kind of 50 50 as well for the simple reason i can see it coming down to what it did last year where there were three teams who were worse than us obviously i know the derby points situation was slightly different but ultimately we stayed up because there were three teams in a worse position than us and i think if we stay up again this year it's going to be exactly the same thing that happens that we're going to end up with three teams who have somehow managed to recruit fewer points than us, whether by deductions or whatever else. Uh, Because ultimately, we know really we should have gone down last year and we were incredibly lucky with what happened. And if we stay up this year, the way we're playing at the moment, it will solely be because there are three teams below us who have, however, somehow managed to get fewer points than us, which is just it can't keep going on like this because we our luck's going to run out at some point. It is going to run out at some point And we are going to go through that trap door. And maybe this year will be the year that happens.
0: But until the points direction is confirmed, I will be supporting anybody who plays against Huddersfield, Wigan and Blackpool, and probably afterwards as well. Let's get onto the game yesterday. The good, the bad, the injured. Paul, Shane Long out for the season. Tom McIntyre out for three to five weeks, Liam Moore out for the season. They kind of just keep coming these injuries, don't they? Yeah. And whatever you think about Paul Ince, that's
1: horrendously bad luck, isn't it? I mean, he, as he said repeatedly, and it, it, this bit is 100% true. Um, he's had to play players when he doesn't really want to keep playing them. Um, this is a problem because the squad... In certain areas, it's harder to rotate. And sometimes we have had masses of uh, injuries in one place. Um, Shane Long. Yeah, I mean, that's really unfortunate. He actually played quite well, I thought, against Blackburn as well. So it's typical, isn't it? It's like with jackie Meite as well. But the main one for me was Liam Moore. Um, I feel for Liam Moore. He's See how much he's put in to get him back onto that pitch. It was a career-ending injury. Possibly he had uh, whilst he was at Stoke, I think. And he's come back and he's looked fine. He hasn't looked incredible. He hasn't looked like, you know, the best player in the championship or anything. But he's looked absolutely fine when he's been on the pitch. And he still keeps that stat of us not conceding this season whilst he's been on the pitch. I mean, it's pointless. But I just think, see him go off like the way he did, you can see the frustration. And I mean, sure, Andrew, you were probably sat much nearer to him because you were in the Dolan as well.
2: Yeah, it happened right in front of us uh, when he cleared the ball and I said to my sons next to me, what's wrong with Liam? He's he's limping and they were like, oh, he's not going to be injured again. And then two minutes later, that was it. He was off and he was right down in front of us and he was banging the advertising audience. I'm sure everybody's seen the video. And I just felt, you know, regardless of anybody's feelings about Liam Moore, You know, on a human level, I just felt so sorry for him because clearly, as you've just said, he's worked so hard and he deserved his place back in the team for the effort that he's put in and the injuries that we we've had. And then for that to happen, it's just, you know, is that the it's certainly the end for him with us, I would have thought. But is that the end for him at all? at championship level and possibly even football league level because of the injuries are just mounting up and mounting up.
0: Yeah, it becomes very difficult, I guess, to try and find a new deal if you're if you're injured and have been for the best part of two years. It's it's not going to be a, a simple task for him to find a new club next season. Shane Long, I don't really know what the injury is for Shane Long, if I'm honest, Andrew. It didn't oh, Paul, maybe you heard yesterday
1: He's got a trap nerve in his leg, Trapped. and possibly the thing. Yeah, it's, it sounds like he's out for the season.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. He did it. He said it, apparently he, he had it go go after go the Blackburn game. He felt it, and um, yeah. So yeah, Shane Long obviously out for the season means that we'll probably see more of Lucas Shaw. So we'll come on to the good and the bad very briefly. Andrew, the good from yesterday. Just give me two points.
2: Uh, I thought that actually. Um, Lucas Shaw played really well apart from uh, the chance he had in the second half where Lucas Shaw last season and the season before would have banged that away this year, not enough minutes not enough confidence, tried to return it to Carroll, probably his best chance of the game and I also thought that actually um, Andy Carroll for me played well in places and was used well by the team in places but you know, overall, there isn't really that much more that I can add. There wasn't really, it wasn't really a great performance by anybody.
1: Cassidy, I think he's got something in him, uh, definitely. He did not play amazing yesterday, but he will keep going. And he has got some technical ability. You can see that straight away. And even with the goal, he just keeps it moving. He just keeps the ball alive. And if he doesn't do that, but there was one moment in the second half, which I really love from Cassidy, when he did a John Terry header on the floor. I mean, that, that for me, there's so little enjoyment yesterday. You've got to make the most of these little moments, I think.
0: Go on, Paul. Take take us through the bad. There's obviously oh plenty. <laughs> the bad. Wow. I mean, we could do a whole single podcast
1: just on that alone, I feel. Um, Give us the headlines. Second half. Lads, it would be good if we attacked. It would be good if we actually went forward and weren't passive and just waited for something to happen. There's some news that's been around for a while that we're going to get a six-point deduction. Now, as much as we can say the manager, the setup, the tactics, I agree on all these things, and I think Paul Lynch should go. But the players, nothing summed up the complete inability of our players to make a decision Then, in that last second, when we have a free kick, we, it's the last second. We all know that. And they play the ball backwards. I mean, what kind of stupidity goes through your brain to do that?
2: There's Just such put the ball a... in
1: the box. It might not be perfect. I agree. It was not a great place to be taking a free kick. But we're not in a position to be fussy. Just get it in there and see There's what such happens. a
0: lack of taking responsibility there. It's honestly terrible to see somebody... Well, that was from not... Tom Innes. Yeah, too. but it's the 93rd minute of the game.
2: Put the I, I, I in don't disagree, really, it awful. I it.
0: I'll, I'll add in for the bad lack of substitutions. Eighty eighth minute of the game till we made a substitution which wasn't enforced. What's what's going on there? What's the point? We just we're quite clearly wasting time once it gets to that moment. I don't. I, the already at the eightieth minute. Don't I, know. I, don't I, know what I, happened there. That was. There's just so many. There's so many
1: from yesterday. But Andrew, what do you think? What are you going to add into the mix for the bad?
2: Well, definitely the free kick. I know we've already mentioned it, but I couldn't believe, I mentioned this on Twitter last night, I couldn't believe the fact that we were in the situation where um, Ince and Yeardon were arguing with the ref about whether he pushed it forward or not.
0: Let's get on to the first half and... I'm not going to go through loads of the highlights because I just don't think there are that many, Paul, in all honesty. So let's just skip straight forward to the goal for, for Hull. Um, it's such an easy goal to defend this. There's a runner from midfield. He plays a simple one-two as Scott Dan kind of steps up to, to him. And he just runs straight past Scott Dan because he's moved out of position. And he's thrown goal. I don't understand what where the midfield is. I don't understand what Scott Dan's done. We've got two other centre backs who just don't even realise what Scott Dan's doing because they just give the space to the attacker. I, and then Lumley—it's a really simple finish, and I think probably Lumley should actually save it. In all honesty, um, it's just all round. It's just again, it's just terrible. I feel like we said this every week. Every goal we can see, I'm just like, it's—it's it's just bad. It's why we've. Picked up 10
1: points since the international break, I think, Um, which is well, the World Cup as it was. That was, yeah, it's a farce, isn't it? But I look back into the moment before the pass was played through to the scorer. That was, why is Tom Ince not taking him down? Why is Tom Ince not getting on him, giving away a free kick and probably a booking? But you've got to stop him there. If that was anyone else in the team, Tom Ince would be absolutely killing them. Absolutely murdering them for not doing that. And he's not done it himself. I just find it so frustrating. He's got to take that for the team there. I mean, defensively, yeah. Lumley, probably yes as well. But you could stop it at source.
2: And the other thing I enjoyed about the goal was the fact that we had our three centre-backs together and almost aligned, running towards the whole player as he went through and scored the goal. And it's like, well, there's three of you there. Did one of you not think about maybe going with the runner? Why are you marking each other? Again, we do this so often. Um, And the warning signs have been there from the start of the game when Yeardon played that horrendous header straight into their player in about the third minute. And thank goodness Lumley was awake to it and managed to make the save.
0: Yeah, I mean, Andrew's right. The way that the defenders seem to end up in the line alongside each other. And it's not a case of, they've kept a solid line. It's they're basically stood on each other's feet and it seems to happen time and time again. And it just indicates the fact that you get the impression that they don't seem to practice playing together in a free, in training. Um, I don't know what they do in training because apparently they don't coach set pieces either. So who knows? Maybe they just work on fitness. I I don't know. Um, But again, it's just such a frustrating goal to concede. And we go behind... And Paul, the response is kind of like, I don't know, it's okay from Reading, I think. Like we do start to to push forwards um during the rest of the first half. And we create a couple of like half chances. I think Cassidy has a fairly easy header, which is saved. Um and we we equalised just before half time uh through Andy Carroll. I don't know how good of a piece of play this is, because it's just kind of like an aimless ball into the box. Um Casaday wins the header and it kind of rolls off of the whole player's back and just falls to Andy Carroll's feet. It's a good finish by Andy Carroll. Yeah. And we've managed to, you know, managed to equalize before half time, which I think was probably quite critical in terms of the crowd because the crowd turned on in for the first time during the first half. This the first time I've heard anybody in the in the SCL starting to chant for for Inns out after the after that whole goal. So yeah, getting the equaliser for half time was, was critical, at least for the crowd. Of not just boo the team off at half time, which I think was coming otherwise.
1: Yeah, definitely. I was in 1871 yesterday, and it was very vocal for uh in South, definitely in points. But yeah, I think the finish was good from Andy Carroll, as I said earlier. they just keeps it alive. There's no technical brilliance though, or anything, it is just a cross into the box, hopeful. But it's worked for us, and as much as we give given uh, some stick to Andy Carroll, you gotta say he's put that right in the corner. That is not it's not an incredibly difficult finish. But I didn't feel like it was a simple one. It wasn't like a tap-in at all. He had to get himself in a good angle. So credit to him. That that's a could be a massive goal for us.
2: What I liked about the finish was the fact that if he'd hit it cleanly, it would have probably gone straight to the keeper. But because he hit it into the ground and it bubbled, it went up over the keeper's hand and went in. And to be fair to Carroll, he actually started the move in itself. He won the ball in midfield, got it out wide to Yardom. He then got it to in so you know, you could almost say he started and finished the move. I think that's stretching a point. But, you know, the fact that he was heavily involved in our goal, I do think, like I said earlier, I do think he was quite important for us yesterday. Although I do appreciate that there was a lot of long ball stuff where he'd flick it on and no one would get onto it. And it was a waste of everybody's time. But
1: I think in the second half, Andy Carroll become totally isolated. So it's always going to be way harder for him physically. He just finds it much harder in the second half. I mean, he's a man. He's had a lot of injuries in his career, and yeah, he did his job yesterday. But after after the game, I think Paulins was talking about how he such a, had such a great technique, and um, I was watching that second half, and I wasn't really feeling that. I have to
0: be honest. <laughs> uh, like I don't. I, I I think in the first half, Carroll was fine. Yeah. but the second half the ball just bounces off Carroll a lot of the time There's
1: never anyone there though is there?
0: and that is the yeah. other thing there's no one near him but then the ball bounces off him and he's True. like he, it just bounced at one point there was a ball played into his chest and he's he's tried to bring the ball down but it's it's rolled five yards away from him when it's and there's no one near him uh, and he's lost the ball um it's, it's frustrating i don't understand why he plays 90 minutes every
2: week i think The thing I was going to add there was the only time really where he did get a flick on and someone got onto it was in the 89th minute and Aziz almost got onto it. Yeah, it went through to the whole keeper, but actually that if you're going to play like that, you need someone like Aziz who's going to be close. He's going to be quick. And we didn't have that until, you know, the last six minutes of the game, which was just utterly ridiculous
0: uh let's come on to second half i mean we had a free kick at the end of the first half that maybe you know it was a it's a half chance of best but ints in puts it over um but we'll come on to the second half paul the second half like as you kind of alluded to earlier i'm not sure there's a great deal we can talk about from a reading perspective really because i don't think there was actually that many chances i think Hull had one chance which was like ruled out for offside um from a corner and other than that, I don't think either keeper made a save in the second half. No, there was nothing. It was dreadful. Um,
1: not just Reading. Hull were absolutely dreadful as well. Um, I saw Liam Rosinia talking about the match and he's saying oh, how good Hull were. They should have won by two or three goals. They were like, you know, well played them. Mm. No, Liam, that that was not the game that I just saw. (laughs) I mean, If you're a Hull fan and you came away from that thinking that your team had played really well, i would be astonished. I mean, come on, that was absolutely, oh, that was dog shit of a match. If that was a champion, if that was in League One, you'd say that's fitting. It it felt like that kind of level yesterday. There was nothing there. I mean, Hull had a little bit more of a plan and maybe going forward next season for them, I can see it getting better. But for us... I don't know what we were doing. Uh, I have no idea. Yet again, you go to a match in the second half and you think to yourself, what's going on here? What is the plan? What is the objective to score here? Defensively, we looked fine. Like you said, whole had nothing. But where's the attacking formula? Where's the tactic? Where's the ideas? Where's the movement? Where's the long-term plan? There's nothing. There's nothing Nothing. at all. It's frustrating. It really
2: is. I think that, The second half for us can be summed up with the fact that the only thing that I remember on the highlights was the fact that Nesta Guinness-Walker had that amazing piece of skill and put that cross come shot in. And that was it. That that was literally the second half for us. I don't remember anything else happening apart from the free kick that we previously discussed that went backwards. And then they complained about the fact that the ref blew, even though, like I said, it seemed like he had told them that was going to happen. That was it. There were the two things that happened and um, one of them shouldn't have evened. So it, if you'd been asleep, you wouldn't have missed anything.
0: I do think that the the skill from Guinness Walker was probably the closest we got to the whole goal in any like sense or form. And he puts the ball across. I think Liz's jail moment was bigger. Uh, yes, right. but we didn't, we didn't actually even get a shot away there, did we? No, no, um, but there was there was a moment when he should there have There was shot. a moment with Xiao, and yeah. as you said, Paul, Lucas Jao gets the ball, what was it, 13, 14 yards from goal, I think. And he tries to roll the ball back onto his left foot, and it, he's surrounded by a couple of whole players. It's difficult to tell. I mean, Andrew probably had a better view from this, from the Dolan, than, than we did at the other end, but... It looks like Lukashow is trying to roll it back to his left foot and get a shot away, but there's too many hole players around him to actually get the shot away. And and I think if this was last season or or previous season, Lukashow, I think as soon as he rolls that to his left foot, he'll shoot.
2: Yeah, as I said earlier, that's the uh, thing I was alluding to, that he rolled it one way, rolled it onto his left foot, rolled it back onto his right, and then tried to play it back to Carroll. That moment where he rolled it onto his left foot he probably could have got a shot away, whether it had been any good, I don't know. But like you say, last season, definitely he hits that and just has a go. But you could see in the second when he's got the moment to hit it, you could see he sort of pulled out of it. And that's not the Lucas Shaw we know and love. And the fact he then tried to play it through four whole players back to Carroll sort of tells you where his confidence is at at the moment, which is a real shame because if we need someone to score some goals to keep us out of the relegation zone. We have a ready-made striker in that, who we know scores for fun in this league when he gets the service and when he's got his confidence up.
0: Let's move on, because uh, there really isn't much else to discuss about the second half, in all honesty. Um, Paul, let's let's talk a bit about a topic which was discussed both on the radio and online yesterday, which is... Uh, the attitude of a certain member of the team, um, we've got a question in from another poll about Tom Ince's attitude. We'll take a quick listen. Mm,
2: I think the way he spoke to um, Holmes and actually saw him having a go at Andy Carroll about getting him to be further up the pitch, um, I think he, it's, it's a fine line, isn't it, between Um, put you know, encouraging, pushing on Jing up, and being downright rude and condescending. And I'm afraid I think he crossed that line, wouldn't you think?
0: I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the incident in the first half, wasn't it, when Tom Ince plays the ball, Tom Holmes plays the ball to uh, Tom Ince, and he just, what was he doing, just? twatting that ball back down the pitch. I mean, that was reminiscent of a three-year-old having a strop. I mean, we've all seen that from young kids. I mean, they all do it. Uh, and that's normal. I mean, nothing unusual in that. But for a player who's been playing for pff, 10, 15 years, I suspect, in football, professionally, you just think, what is going on? And we've all seen the clip of what supposedly was said to him. I don't know. I'm not a lip reader, so I don't know what he said. But the way he was behaving yesterday was absolutely—it was rank. He was—he was causing issues for the team. Having a player like that in your team just causes. There must be a split. There must be a split of people that think he is being an absolute dick. There must be because he is playing with the attitude of Cristiano Ronaldo with the ability of Tom Inns, which is fine. He's been great for us at the beginning of the season. Absolutely brilliant and scored us some vital goals. But now, he's not playing well, and he hasn't for a long time. And he's acting like he's still playing at the previous level. And you can't get away with your doing that. I mean, that's my thoughts. I don't know what you both think about it.
0: I I find it quite interesting that we don't see any Reading players, you know, volley back at him with abuse when there's a corner that hits the first man. And I think it probably says it all, because ultimately, it's the manager's son. And if it wasn't the manager's son, I think maybe you would see a different reaction at those kind of corners when they hit the first man from people.
2: Uh, I kind of feel uh, that the criticism for yesterday is kind of the way that we're playing as a team. And when we were doing well and everything else, and Tom Imps was playing in exactly the same way, we all loved it because you could see he was driving the team forward at the moment I think yeah it probably is having a bit of a negative effect and you know maybe he could curb it a bit and certainly there were moments yesterday where I felt he crossed the line but equally I do think some of the criticism he is receiving for it is wrapped up in the fact of who the manager is and I do think we need to remember that Tom Ince has been by far and away, one of our best players this season. And with the looming deduction we talked about at the start, you know, I think ultimately without him, we'd be staring relegation in the face completely now. Whereas, like you said earlier, Alex, is a bit more 50-50. Doesn't mean it should excuse what happened yesterday. And I do think he needs to rein it in a bit. But equally, it is nice to see somebody who clearly cares about trying to get the right result. Not always shown in the best way, but I do feel at times he has pushed us forward. Yesterday wasn't a great example, though.
0: I'll I'll say I kind of agree with with what Paul said in the in our voice note. And there's a way to do it, right? If you want to try and if you if you're going to criticize your teammates, that's fine. But there's probably a way to do it. You need to you need to make sure that you're not just basically going to abuse them because it doesn't do anything after you've done it. 15 times a match like it's it loses any effect after a while um we'll move on because I think most people are going to obviously have seen that the video or seen Tom Ince's attitude at some point yesterday and I think people will have their own opinions as to whether it's good or bad but um I don't think that's going to change anytime soon so we might might just need to get used to how he's acting and hope that it at least spurs the team on in some way Let's move on to some other questions. And Andrew, yesterday, one of the quotes that Paul Lintz gave in his uh, press conference after the game was that he thought the boys looked quite tired after 60 minutes. Matthew White asks, why did he wait until the 88th minute to make two more substitutions?
2: Yeah, that's a very good question. And I wish I knew the answer to it. And I think we all wish we knew the answer to it. Like we said uh, earlier, Carroll's best flick on came to Aziz right at the very end of the game. I know, you know, you could argue that because we'd already used two of our three substitution windows and for the injuries, maybe that played some part in it, but there was no need to wait that long.
1: I've got a question here as well, and I agree with what you say there, Andrew. It didn't make any sense at all. Um Getting inside the mind of managers in these scenarios is just almost impossible, isn't it? You just—I don't know what's going on in their brain. Sometimes I've seen it so many times with other managers. We got here one from Ross, which is slightly different angle. Bearing in mind the five teams we've played since the Telegraph report, but do you think Reading get more than one point from those five games if that news never becomes public?
0: No. I—I I, I, I think I said this after. Uh, during the midweek podcast after the Blackburn game. Realistically, I don't actually think the Reading would have picked up more than one. Maybe they might have fluked a victory in one of those four games, potentially. Um, I'm not actually sure that we're any points worse off than maybe or one point worse off than potentially where we might have expected to be after those four games anyway. And actually, it's more the manner of the the way that we're losing is is the depressing part uh, because when you look back and you say, oh, the three games which were really important, the Cardiff, Rotherham and Blackpool games, everyone said, we need to get six points and we did. And then the four games after, as Paul Innes kind of has a little bit of a justification for, were against teams in the top five, we were always going to struggle a little bit against them. The fact that we've lost all four isn't great, but I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily expect us to get any points in them. So I don't think we're any worse off potentially. It's just the, the crap football.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm going to put in something for a bit of balance here, and I think it's important that we do that. Hips one here from Shards. It's a little bit of a long one. So uh, brace yourself, sit down, get yourself comfortable, get yourself a cup of tea or something. I sound like a broken record, but can only be judged in the context of the circumstances he's had to deal with. He took over a team that had just lost 7-0 at home and lost a Kidderminster. We were in free fall and knew that most of the squad was leaving at the end of the season. We have been in a transfer embargo, burger. So we had to build a squad for this season. Our waves and strays. No, the team wanted That's That's all true. Can't disagree with any of that. If he keeps up through these two, keeps us up through these two seasons, he's performed a miracle. Yes. It's been ugly at time. Billy have done his job. What's your thoughts on that? Andrew,
2: uh, I have to say I am still one of these people who I think he's going to be here to the end of the season. I think everything that you've just sort of said there from charge, I think it's fair. Um, I think yesterday is a perfect example of how is doing exactly what he's been asked to do. Um, We probably should have won, but we didn't lose. So we've got another point towards safety. And I think ultimately it depends what you sort of fall in. If, you know, you think that Ince is there to keep us up. Is he going to do it? As I said, I think it's 50-50, but I can, I can see it happening. I can equally see it not happening. But its I think the thing is, short term, probably, but over the longer term, I can't see any change from what's happening this season, next year, if he's still here. And you know, is this all we want? Is this all we want happening? year after year and yes it's an awful situation but we have seen so many times in the past there are other managers out there who can take a shoestring budget a threadbare squad and do amazing things and i just don't think INTS is going to do that in the long term
0: uh yeah i agree with andrew i don't think inc is going anywhere realistically um i think in terms of what shard's asked and his question it's an interesting one because if you look at the bigger picture, I think Ince has probably done a reasonable job. Points-wise, we've done well this season. He kept us up last season. And actually, that's what he's been asked to do. But when you then like delve deeper into it, the football is bad. Realistically, we're not actually competing in a lot of these games, um, which is the, the more frustrating thing. Trying to balance it back out. Last 10 games, we've got eight points. Last 15 games, we've got 13 points. Last 20 games, we've managed to pick up 18 points. If you manage to do this until the end of the season, and you're picking up just less than a point a game until the end of the season, we're going to get to 51, 52 points before a points deduction. That is going to be really close to staying up, which is basically what the kind of remit was for Paul Ince. And if he does do it, then as much as no one likes him and as much as no one's enjoyed the football he kind of has succeeded in what people have asked for it from him. Uh, you've got to say the point deduction has stuffed him
1: as well. Um, that, that's not his fault. Um, that's a really tough one. One question here from Andy Taylor. If Paul Lynch is sacked, will Tom's attitude get even worse?
0: Because uh, I don't think that's going to improve it, is it? Um, it's not going to get worse, but it's not, I don't think it will get worse, but I don't think it's going to get better. But ultimately, right. I think if Paul Lynch is sacked, Tom Lynch is probably going to be out of the door in summer anyway, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a few questions
1: here about asking why do we still play five in the back? One here from Alex Emmett. I mean, it's a good question, isn't it? At home, we need to win that game yesterday. It was a must win. And we all knew the point deduction was going to come at some point. We were kind of hoping it might be less than six points. It hasn't been confirmed yet. It hasn't been confirmed. So we have to wait and see. But it's looking incredibly likely. Um, I don't understand what we're doing
0: sometimes when we'll I watch us play football. I just, well, I we just play. We, we play. I think we've said it in this podcast. Probably said it a few times this season. But we play. We play not to lose football games, right? Andrew said it a minute ago. We play not to lose instead of playing to win. And a, a, a draw is only worth one point, and a wins worth three. You should be playing to win games, not draw games.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's use this one from George Deprey. All hypothetical, but would you rather we had six points deducted this season and being a relegation scrap? or have them deducted next season, but with the ability to responsibly spend money on transfers in the summer. What do you think, Andrew?
2: I think this season, get it over with.
1: Can't disagree. Yeah, I think probably this scenario is going to get it done. It's going to have to happen at some point, Alex, isn't
0: it? I just can't. I couldn't imagine having another season with another points deduction hanging over our heads next year as well, which would be dreadful. And I think if you if you try it, like, it would be nice not to have to worry about it now, but also it just feels like you just need to just rip the band-aid off and just accept it and get it over with. Yeah, totally. I'm going to read
1: out this last statement here from uh, Pippa here. And I, It is a statement. It's not really a question. I think it sums it up quite nicely, really. For me, it was a must-win game, but didn't. The atmosphere at the ground yesterday is so damning of the manager and team. I'm baffled as to why, despite being able to go and win the game, the players are casually walking up the field and passing backwards with the last kick of the game. Honestly, I think we've ridden our luck for so long, so many years now, and this is a year it's run out. I think it may be our year to drop. I mean, I'm sure you hope that isn't the case, Pippa. Um, We all hope that isn't the case. But at some point, your luck is going to run out. Uh, you see it with so many clubs and we can talk about Paulins. We can talk about the players, but there's one person to blame for all of this. And that is Di Young. And he is the reason we're in this position. And we can say he's given us all this money and we'd be totally dead without him. And we would be of massive problems. we would probably get into administration. He has put us here. He's totally screwed us over. All everyone at the club has suffered for all his bad decisions. And we should never forget that.